You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. Earlier this year, Jonathan Clemens was appointed to the position of the USA Archery Paralympic Head Coach. Clemens served as an assistant coach for the 2022 World Archery Para Championships and as the head coach for the 2022 World Games Para Team and the Para Pan Am Championships. He is also the assistant coach at the University of Pikeville and a USA Archery Level 4 coach. Let's talk to him about the sport of archery. So, Jonathan, I thought we'd start by, you know, first of all, just a- out asking you, like, how did you get into archery? Uh, and then how did you start coaching uh, the, the para-archery team? So, I actually started in archery as a young redneck kid in my backyard learning how to bow hunt. And that's how <laughs> it started for me. Um, target archery wasn't really a thing for my family. It wasn't really a thing even in the community that I grew up in. So I fell in love at a young age with archery, just shooting arrows at a 3D target to learn how to bow hunt. Mm. So eventually what I found out was, is that I enjoyed shooting my bow just as much, if not more than hunting. Mm. That's a a great, uh, I think a great analogy because most folks like you didn't know that there's a, a competitive side that there's an opportunity to just shoot it shoot at targets for well for fun but also competitively yeah. uh and it's, so it's the actual act of shooting the bow as much as it is the end result right exactly in fact the first competition that i shot in i didn't know i was competing it was a 3d shoot and i thought i was just shooting my bow with my friends hmm. um and it wasn't until a few months after uh that i found out i had actually placed uh in the competition and i had no idea <laughs> and so obviously as someone who just loves to shoot a bow, how did you then translate that into coaching? So, um, actually my wife, um, some time ago, uh, sent me some information about a local high school, uh, in West Virginia. It's one of the largest high schools in West Virginia was looking for an archery coach and she knew my archery background and, you know, so I contacted the school and I started coaching at Cabell Midland High School. That's in Huntington area? That's in the Huntington area, yes. Yeah, see, I did my research. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a native West Virginian, so that's the reason why. Really? I, okay, that's awesome. Yeah, so I grew, up, I grew up in Parkersburg. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so, um, and so then how did, it, how did you translate from a high school to kind of the U.S.? you know, Paralympic, you know, national slash international level. Right. So uh, my wife and I, as we were trying to have kids, uh, she had trouble uh, having kids. So we decided that we were going to go into foster care and they called us about a baby, a newborn baby, and who's now our son. We adopted his Hmm. name's Cameron. Um, And so from a young age, we were always told that he was visually impaired. Um, so that he was legally blind. So knowing, you know, that how involved I was with archery, um, and he watches me shoot and seems interested. 
I wanted to know everything that I could about visually impaired archery. Um, so I reached out to some of the Paralympic coaches at that time, and we started to uh, form a friendship and a connection just from me asking questions. Um, and that's really how it started. Um, and from there, I eventually um, got on the international team staff and I worked as an assistant coach um, under the head coach at the time, George Riles. So, and I did that for about three years before I became the permanent uh, Paralympic head coach. That's awesome. Yeah. So you have a, like at least a personal and family connection uh, you know, to a para sport and adaptive sports. Yeah, exactly. Um, the funny thing is, uh, we were told that my son was legally blind, but he has a resting nystagmus, and apparently, you have to to test or measure vision differently. So he's actually not legally blind. But the funny thing is, is at one point we took him to a blind Easter egg hunt uh, for kids who were visually impaired, and and he absolutely dominated that thing. <laughs> Um, as you would expect from a kid who's not visually impaired. So it was kind of embarrassing for my wife and I because, you know, as he was going out and clearly could see where he was going, we it turned awkward. Yeah. Well, sometimes you have to have that moment, right, to realize, oh, wait, you know, maybe the diagnosis wasn't yeah. fully accurate. <laughs> right. So then we, we took him to a neurological ophthalmologist who, you know, clarified what had actually happened and the mistake that was made. Uh, you know, when they classified him as legally blind. And so being, you know, the, the coach now, um, how would you describe kind of the, uh, how, you know, the, the field is right now, like particularly on the national level uh, and how does the U S team, you know, compare to uh, even on a, on a global or an international level? So, you know, the U S we have an incredibly strong team. Uh, we have athletes who are performing at an elite level. We have some athletes who are still developmental and they're still kind of improving their skills and improving technique as we go. Yeah. And so let's just talk about the sport, uh, obviously the competitive nature of the sport. Um, uh, you know, what kind of uh, classifications or what kind of you know, disabilities are, are allowed, you know, technically in the, in the competition side? So we have some athletes who are amputees. We have athletes who are paralyzed and shoot from a chair. We have standing athletes who shoot from supported positions, whether they're leaning on a stool or they're shooting with a wedge under their foot. Now, we have athletes who shoot with a mouth tap. We have athletes with, who shoot with shoulder-mounted um, release aids. So all of those are permitted and allowed, obviously. And it, and, 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 it, and it depends on their, their classification, how they're classified, and what adaptive equipment that they're allowed to use. Yeah. And so when we think of, obviously, archery, uh, equipment-wise, it's pretty you know basic, right? It's pretty self-explanatory. You need a bow, yeah. right? And you need some arrows. Exactly. Uh, and obviously a target as well. Um when you when you're introducing the sport to folks, you know what? How do you kind of approach those three? You know, the, obviously the bow and the arrow. Like, what do they need to know? Uh, you know, to get started. So to get started, I would definitely recommend talking to a coach or somebody who is knowledgeable and works at a pro shop to get set up with the appropriate length arrows, the correct spine arrows that matches the bow. 
And I know that there are obviously even different types of bows as well. Uh-huh. Um, and so I want to at least talk about that and the differences between the, the, diff- the different types of bows. So, yeah, so you have compound bows and then you have recurve bows. Recurve bows are more of a traditional style bow. They don't have the wheels or the cams that give them a mechanical advantage uh, that the compound bows have. So compound, um, uh, so the compound just helps with, uh, I think, the pullback, right? To some extent. So as they're drawing the bow back, so let's say, for example, you have a bow that's, you know, a 60-pound draw weight. Um, you draw the bow back and they have different let off percentages. You know, some of the bows let off at 65%, meaning that once you get the full draw, you're no longer holding 60 pounds. Okay. Yeah. And, and is there, a, and like when you're, when you're talking to, you know, potential athletes, do you encourage them to go one way or the other, go compound or go recurve or try both or how to, how to do they specialize essentially or? <laughs> A lot of the times it comes down to personal preference, and it also depends on the shop that you go to. It seems like in the United States, compound bows are everywhere. Mm. It's hard to go into a shop and see Olympic recurve bows or recurve limbs, you know, in stock there. So compound bows are typically the most popular. And and why do you think that is then? Why do you think you don't necessarily find a recurve bow in, in, in the shops? Well, I think a lot of the times it comes down to the customer base and who these pro shops are selling to. And a lot of the times it's bow hunters. And by far, bow hunters are using compound bows. Okay. Yeah. And and then let's talk about the, the distances. You know, obviously the length between the, the person, uh, the archer and the target. So um, where... I mean, is it like when you're young and you're a kid, I'm assuming the distance is, you know, shorter. And can you, can you take me through those different type of distances? Yeah. So competitive distances for us uh, and the Paralympic team, the compounds and the W1 class, they shoot at 50 meters Mm -hmm. and the Olympic recurve class shoots at 70 meters. Okay. And these are competitive distances. So as you're a developmental athlete, there may be times where it's more appropriate for you to shoot an Olympic recurve at 50 meters. So you can learn how to balance the technique of shooting the bow and what it takes to do it well with the aiming process. Okay. So that's kind of the two different kind of techniques or components. So the exactly. the, the shooting and the, uh, so the actual bow itself and then the, yeah, take me through that again. Cause that was, that was good. Yeah, so the thing that people seem to struggle with the most is balancing the act of aiming the bow with the technique of shooting the bow correctly. So let's walk through both of those then. So what so what do you need to do to focus on aiming the bow? What's the what are the kind of things that you that you work on as a coach with individual athletes? So a lot of the times people think aiming is the most important part of shooting the bow, which is actually not true. (laughs) The technique, when correct, actually makes aiming very easy. The aiming is secondary to form and technique. Mm -hmm. So if the technique is correct, aiming will be easy. Okay. And then... um... And and what is the like? How do you how do you get into form and technique? Like how do you 
like like if it's not about the aim, are you looking at uh, eye eye position or body positions or what's that form and technique? Yeah, I mean, so there, there's quite quite a bit that we can uh-huh. go into <laughs> here. So I don't want to overcomplicate. You sure, know. no, I understand. Um, you know, basically, the best advice that I can give anybody listening to this who's thinking about getting into archery is is find you a coach. There's coach coaches all across the U.S. Uh, they're more than happy to help you with technique and to make things easier. Yeah. Yeah. And for those that are listening, I mean, USA Archery has done a great job with adaptive archery manuals and adaptive archery training. Exactly. And, and on the website, there is actually ways that you can find uh, certified archery coaches in your area that you can search directly from USA Archery's website. Yeah. Yeah. And so then that that second component, the 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 focus, uh, the the second part of the balance, which is actually shooting the bow. What are you know? What kind of can you share there without again being overly overly complicated? <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm trying to to think about the west the best way to describe this. Um, a lot of the times, people get in the habit is there they want to aim so carefully that they forget that they actually have to shoot the bow. They actually have to release the string. They actually have to go through the process to make that happen. So what happens is a lot of times people start to over-aim and they take way too long on aiming and the technique falls away. And when that happens, the arrow never finds its mark. It never hits where you want it to. So it's kind of a, a learning process to balance the technique and aim. So it is kind of like about the release and, you know, probably even things like breathing, you know, like when to, when to breathe. Right. Right. (laughs) Cause that kind of stuff can make a, make a, an arrow go, uh, in a, in a weird or wrong location too. Yep. And, uh, how, like if someone is interested in, in like just getting in, you know, they'd like, you just don't know, you mentioned getting a coach, but like, um, so I would suggest, I mean, I would assume that, that, you know, USA Archery, again, has has a resource of coaches so they can at least go to the website and see if there's one, a coach in their local area or whatever. Yeah. And and I assume that there's a lot, of course, there's a lot of, you know, clubs or shooting, like, you know, shooting ranges or archery clubs and stuff like that. Right. And um, what else does a, like a beginning archer need to know? What are some of the things that that uh, you know, he or she may not just uh, be be familiar with. So, I think one of the most important things for somebody when you're just getting into the sport is have fun with it. Don't take it so seriously. Um, you know, just learn to shoot arrows. Whether you're popping balloons or if you're all over the target, you know, make games out of it. Make it fun and mm. fall in love with it first. And then once you love it. And then if you want to become a, an elite level athlete or a Paralympic athlete, um, then we can start taking things a little bit more seriously, but you have to love it first. Yeah. And I think part of that loving it is it's something that you could do with, you know, family, with friends, with, you know, you know, adaptive athletes as, as well as, you know, a non-adaptive athlete. So it's really, it's kind of a, you know, you build a community or, uh, and have, have fun with, like you said. Yeah, and a lot of the times at these international, I'm sorry, not international events, but our national events with USA Archery, you'll have, you know, a wheelchair uh, para-athlete on the line. And then right next to that athlete, or oftentimes on both sides of the athlete, you'll have a standing, uh, you know, Olympic-level athlete. And and 
is it the same competition? Like, is it basically, I mean, it's basically the same sport, yeah. right? It's, it's exactly the same sport, you know, adaptive athletes or Paralympic athletes sometimes just have extra equipment that allows them to shoot the bow just as effectively as any other person. Yeah. So I think that's kind of important, important to share as well. And when, let's talk about obviously the target itself so some people you know like obviously there's a bullseye and and so right. you're always aiming for that smallest uh you know bullseye on the target but kind of can you can you explain the uh, other rings of the target and and how scoring uh is kind of figured into the equation yeah so your innermost ring innermost scoring ring is obviously your 10 ring um that's the goal you want to hit the 10 ring and then outside of that, it just goes down a numerical order from 10 to one. Mm -hmm. And that is on a recurve target face, uh, which is 122 centimeter uh, target face for outdoors. Um, and then also on an 80 centimeter W1 target face, which is also, uh, it's a smaller target, but there's 10 full scoring rings on that target. Now for compound uh, classes, they shoot an 80 centimeter target face with six rings. Mm, okay. So is it, is the top, is the smallest inner circle a six then or? No, the smallest inner circle is a 10. Oh, it's, okay. And then, yep. The, the center, the bullseyes always score the highest. Okay. And then it slowly works its way out. Okay. So in compound, there's not, you know, there's not a, it goes 10, 9, 8, 7. It doesn't go all the way down to one, I think, right? That, that's right. Yeah, there is no one ring on an eighty centimeter compound face. Well, that's good to know. I didn't. I didn't realize that there was that that big of a difference between the the two rings. And so, when someone goes to a competition, whether a local competition or even just a national competition, um, like how many times do they get to shoot, and what's the ultimate? Uh, you know, like so they, you know, let's say if they get, you know, X number of ten rings, and you know, is that is that how they're how the the points is earned and awarded or is it more complicated than that? Okay. So it's really not complicated at all. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty easy. Um, so you, when you show up to an event and when I'm saying these things, I'm talking specifically about outdoor events. Mm -hmm. um, so indoor events are a little bit different. So if you show up to a national USA archery outdoor event, you're going to start out with three ends of practice or three rounds of practice. Um, each one of those rounds, you're going to shoot six arrows for practice. And it's just to get warmed up and get ready to go into scoring. So 18 total, right? So 18. 18 That's just, right. This is practice. Yeah. And for practice. So, and I say six arrows during your practice ends. So you can really shoot as many arrows as you want, but generally it's around six in the, in the amount of time that you're given. Um, and then after your practice ends are over, you'll shoot a total of 72 arrows. Mm. So you shoot 12 ends of six arrows or 12 rounds of six arrows. And, and so, um, so, uh, and I've been to, I've been to, we, we host uh, an archery component at moving United junior nationals, which this year will be moving United nationals because we're adding adults to that. And so I've, I've, I've seen this. And, and so when, Let's go through like if a, if an archer goes up, you know. So you said they get one round, um, or obviously after practice they get one round to start, and then does another archer kind of go in and take that place? So in other words, there's a break. There's a break between each round or each end. 
Yeah. So kind of how it works is sometimes they run two lines. Okay. So they'll run an AB line and the CD line. Mm-hmm. But if you shoot from a chair, you can stay on the line between rounds and standing athletes, those athletes will come off of the line and new athletes will come up and they'll shoot their arrows. Once that's completed, then everybody will go down to the targets together to score their arrows. Now, if you're shooting from a chair or you're unable for whatever reason to go to the target to pull and score your arrows, we have what's called arrow agents. Hmm. And the job of the arrow agent is to act on behalf of the archer. So they go to the target and they act as that archer and they record the scores to make sure those are recorded properly and retrieve the arrows and bring them back. Okay. And uh, I assuming there's some judges along the way there too, so that, uh, you know, like if you did, if you're, if there's a dispute between whether something's a, a 10 or a nine or <laughs> how is that determined? Yeah. So usually uh, you talk with the people on your bail that you're assigned with. And if there's a disagreement on an arrow call, if, you know, not everybody agrees that you've shot a 10 and somebody thinks it's a nine. What they'll do is they'll raise their hand and they'll wait for a judge to come over. And then the judge will make the arrow call. Mm. And the judge's call is final. Whether you agree or disagree with the judge, that is the call and the, the ruling on the field. Okay. And, and so this just repeats itself, obviously, and there's 12 rounds of that. 12 rounds of that. So then you'll go home with a score out of 720 possible points. Hmm. That's good. Let's score. Yep. Um, and so are they, uh, you know, like I'm assuming like there's, are there medals awarded that, you know, typically during a, a right, you know, once the competition is, is completed? Yep. So um, depends on the, the format of the event. Um, sometimes they're awarded awarded the first day after qualification. Sometimes you'll come back on the next day and you'll shoot elimination style matches or head to head match play against other archers uh, who were distributed among a bracket. Okay. And, and I know Jonathan, you mentioned that you know indoor. There's an outdoor versus indoor component, which is again, I I want to I want to kind of emphasize because that's the, a cool component of the sport. You know, some sports are sometimes just one or the other, mm-hmm. but technically, you know, you can compete and and participate in this sport year round um, because you can either you know do some indoor archery or you could do outdoor archery, right? That's right. And what's what's the indoor archery component? How is that different? So indoor archery, we shoot at a smaller target. Um, However, the distance is much closer. We shoot at 20 yards indoors and everybody shoots at the same distance indoors. So there's no difference between recurve and compound for the distance for indoors. And is it treated differently or is it just that the fact that there are indoor and outdoor opportunities or is it just kind of, or is is one separate from the other and kind of, you know, treated so totally different. Uh, not really. I mean, it, it's treated pretty much the same. Um, just indoor archery, the distances are different, the targets are different, um, and the time of the year is different. Yeah. So if you want to, so if you want to compete in indoor and outdoor, then you just basically have to get used to shooting at different exactly distances and, and as well. Which is what most people do. Yeah. Okay. And um, what I mean, besides the bow and the arrows, what are 
are there other things that people need? And I mean, do people wear, I mean, are gloves ever worn or not? Are, are there other kind of, uh, devices or, or things that people can use while engaging in archery? Yeah, there's tons of adaptive equipment out there for athletes who maybe have uh, weakness in a hand and they can't hold the bow and they make gloves that can assist with the grip so that you can hold the bow without fear of dropping it, you know, in between your shots. Um, Okay. And so it's, yeah, so people just need to find what works best for, for them and themselves, right? Yeah. So just, you know, realizing that, you know, archery is for everybody. There are tons of things that we can do to make it work for you. And it just depends on what you need to be successful. Um, And that's where having a coach or somebody can come in and see what you need and can set you up for success. And I probably should have asked you this question. He was this would have been a great question to ask from the from the get go and from the very beginning. But but why archery? I mean, what is it about the sport that you know excites people and in, in terms of and, and gets them interested in the sport? So I'll give you my personal experience. Uh-huh. Is um, still to this day, I remember the first shot I ever took with a bow, and I think our archery is kind of like one of those magical moments because you know when you bring up archery people all over the place they always want to tell you their story about the first time that they shot a bow nobody ever forgets their first time shooting a bow um so i think it's one of the special things about it and for some of us for people like me who their first shot they hit the 3d target of the deer they were shooting at in the hip (laughs) i i I had to i couldn't stop i had to get better i had to hit where i was aiming at Mm. um and it's just like the pursuit of perfection and perfection over and over and over. I love that. That's great. And I think, I think for uh, some people, it's also just being outdoors, you know, so, you know, you get to, you get to enjoy, you know, be out in nature and enjoy the elements. And, and then I know that, you know, for others, it's just like you said, it's about pursuing perfection. It's about, you know, um, uh, you know, problem solving and, you know, like if you're not doing something right, figuring out, you know, how to, how to make it better. Yeah. And, and in addition to it being, you know, somewhat of a physical sport, like obviously not as physical as something like basketball or football, uh, but the physical component also go alongside that is it's very mental. And mm-hmm. a lot of people find archery to be a, a huge stress reliever. I was going to suggest that. Yeah, I thought that's one of the other takeaways that I was thinking is that just being able to get out and, I mean, again, if you're not, particularly if you're just not doing it competitively, if you just want to get out. Yeah, sometimes competitively, it, it's not much of a stress reliever. It can really stress you out. Right, exactly. Notice right. I've got tons of gray in the side of my beard. Um, <laughs> yeah, but but if you're out there just shooting and having fun, it is like a stress reliever. You're just going yeah, out. It's really nice and very relaxing. And then let's talk about, you know, obviously kind of when they, when they reach your level, um, uh, you know, what, what do folks need to know if they do want to compete, if they want to take this sport seriously and they, and they aim, pun or no pun intended, uh, aim to, you know, reach the Paralympics, maybe that's their goal. What, what do, what do you suggest? So, I mean, there's no secret formula. The formula is actually very easy. It's consistent hard work. Mm -hmm. 
consistency and hard work will always get you where you want to go. And it will beat talent any day of the week. Stay consistent and you work hard. You can find yourself anywhere in the world, you know, competing for the United States. And that's, I think, again, the cool thing that some people may not realize is that this this sport allows you the opportunity to, to like you said, travel around the country, travel around the globe, you know, represent Team USA, you know, wear, don the red, white, and blue and and be able to compete and represent your country. So I think I think it's just an exciting, you know, opportunity for for uh, those out there that are that are thinking about para archery, Jonathan, anything else that we've not talked about that you know, um, or that I've not asked you about, you know, that you might want to particularly highlight or or, or uh, showcase? No, I just you know definitely want to encourage people to get involved in the sport. You know, you can contact me directly if they need help doing that. Uh, I would love to help them get all the way to the Paralympic team because there's really nothing more special than putting on the red, white, and blue jersey and getting to represent your country um, overseas. 